You know it's going to be a good day when your biggest concern in the morning is collecting the crumbs falling from the McDonald's crispy chicken biscuit. Your only concern should be, has your day peaked too early? Enjoy every last crumb of the new McDonald's crispy chicken biscuit for only $3. And any size soft drink for just a dollar. And you'll get your day started on a high note. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. So when you look at news cycle to news cycle and this crisis to the next crisis, how long is the average attention span? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. So glad, so glad that so many of you take the time to listen on radio and even, and even as a podcast. Well, I've been thinking a while about this idea of attention span. I can remember somebody pointing out that some people can act like a squirrel. I mentioned it a couple of days ago. Ever seen a squirrel running across, darting to and fro to a tree on the ground, almost getting run over, and and their mind is, their attention is so easily diverted. Oh, there's something over there. Oh, there's something over here. And too often times we look at life like the squirrel. Our attention is so easily diverted from one thing to another. And many count on that. Many that want to control you count on your forgetfulness, how fast the news cycle comes and goes, how to bury things on the weekend. Yeah, come come this weekend, they can bury news stories you'll miss. You're too busy enjoying your weekend. There's been a big difference I've seen in my lifetime. When I was a youngster, a newspaper was delivered to our house every early morning. And I got up early in the morning and I read the newspaper. Not just the funny papers, not just the funnies. And I wasn't much into sports, but I did read national, international, and local news. Radio stations had a bigger commitment to news. But see, people's attention span, uh, if you're on a music station now, they don't want five minutes of five minutes of news. What are you talking about? We want the music. And, of course, those that own these big FM radio stations are happy to oblige. People understand that if people don't really comprehend the news and they're living from headline to headline, look how fast COVID disappeared from the headline. And all of a sudden, it's Ukraine and other things and economy. Our attention span is so easily, easily manipulated. Now, my guest today, we're going to continue a conversation. We started back on Tuesday, the Reverend Dr. Timothy Gales. I'm so thankful you could be with me again today as we sort through this. Because I know you're you're like I am. We, we pay attention to the news. We try to get to the story, behind the story, and try to figure out if there's any real motivation or something being done to divert our attention. So, do you believe that Americans today have a very short attention span when it comes to news. Oh, I'm sorry. Where were you? <laughs> okay. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I got it. Um, I was joking. So, 
yeah, we're diverted, right? Because we are being played by the media. We are being played by um, all of these different social platforms because our lives are no longer newspaper related. It's internet related. And it's gone from internet newspaper now to sound bites, Twitter, uh, you know, Facebook, um, all of these, these little apps that we put on our phone give us the sound bites for the moment. But once those change, it only takes a moment to reorganize reorient us Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's what you're seeing happening you're seeing people will be so upset about you know what's going on with the truckers maybe in canada or they're supporting them and now all of a sudden they're so upset at russians and and yeah well here's something look 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 how fast the you know the the situation with trudeau changed i mean we heard for just a brief little window how they were going to come after all those that supported the truckers. And, and all of a sudden, that news evaporated everywhere. Not, not everywhere, but I'm saying the majority of places, even conservatives get their news. It got bumped way down the list where you won't find it. I mean, this is kind of like burying your apology in the New York Post on page, you know, 32B, uh, underneath some advertisement for a strip joint. I mean, I mean, right, right. that's really what they do. Sure, sure. They bury it. They, they, you know, think of the power that the elite have with the media to turn you on and off, to give you a worldview, to give you a thought, to mm-hmm. give, to to control your behavior. Schwab just came out the other day. He said, "We control the narrative. We control your behavior." You know, Marsha McClure, Marsha McClure, who is a Canadian professor of communications and and journalism, once said the media is the message. The medium is the message. And and if you control the medium, you now control the message. And and what a lot of people are not understanding, and, and this has been increasingly obvious over the last several years, even the so-called conservative networks. And, you know, on, you know, that are on satellite, that are on cable and streaming. And and I'm I'm, listen to me carefully because I'm a guy that spent a lifetime in media. You can think what you want, but there but Fox News is incapable for reasons beyond your, you know, a lot of people don't understand this, even Newsmax to a point, Mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden, even. Fox News became pro-vaccine. Everybody needs to be vaccinated. You know, it's just, it just kind of reminds me of the old song by, what was the guy's name? The, uh, it, it goes way back, you know, to the days of early 60s rock and roll. Everybody must get stoned. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's kind of everybody must get vaxxed. And, right. and that was almost the, the mentality, um, you know, at Fox News. I mean... They were. I watched one day in horror, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm going, okay, these are people that I normally thought were rational that have suddenly, they have, they have just believed hook, line, and sinker. The vaccine makes you bulletproof. And they're believing every bit of it. And then yeah. it's, it's obvious. The problem with a lot of media, especially the larger ones, they are dependent upon, look, People like Sean Hannity are not living on $50,000 a year. The guy makes mega millions of dollars per year. Per year. These contracts to be on national radio 
you know, through basically iHeart's uh, subdivision, which is called Premier Radio Networks, um, or to be on on the Fox News channel every night at nine, except when you're not there because your contract gives you all these days off. These guys are making mega millions of dollars per year. All of them. Tucker Carlson, great program. But I'm sure there comes a point, there are some things they will never say because it bites the hand that feeds them. Because the only revenue that these networks truly make of any consequence is advertising. Advertising. And we pointed out, I think, last week in the program, I played you that clip bought to you by Pfizer. How many other companies are advertising uh, pharmaceuticals and and items on Fox or Newsmax uh, or Medicare supplements, you know, the whole thing. So if you go against that grain and and you're saying to this company, we don't want, you know, we don't want your Medicare fraud garbage on our, well, that's money. And without that money, they can't afford to write the big check to Hannity every week. They can't afford to pay for Laura Ingram. They can't afford Tucker Carlson. They can't afford uh, any of it at, at Fox or, or Newsmax. Right. Newsmax is not, nowhere near the paychecks, but there's still a massive expense for distribution that people don't get. The cost of just doing streaming for, to people's phones is yeah. massive let alone being on Dish Network and others. I mean, it, it, the cost to be there is huge. And unlike CNN, that you know, that you're forced to pay for it uh, at, at most cable tiers, you've got to pay special to get Newsmax or Fox. And they know that people will do it. I mean, it's just how the market works. And so the more dependent any organization is on pure advertising, the more compromised I think they become. Yeah. Have you seen perhaps. any what do you see in in the world that you live in in terms of the money talks and everything else, you know, walks? Well, that's corporate America, period. But yeah, money talks. Um you're always advanced if you compromise a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. whoever has their fingers in the coffer. Let's see what's going on with doctors and nurses and others today in the medical system, right? You had independent hospitals. Now you have hospitals that are beholden to bigger conglomerates that tell them what they can and can't do. Uh, and you're seeing that affect your health care, my health care, and, and especially during COVID. So, you know, who's giving them the protocols? The CDC. Well, why are the, are the CDC to be totally listened to? Well, they're the gold standard. Yeah, well, who yeah, says yeah. they're the gold standard? Well, Fauci you did. Know? Oh, actually, right. actually, yeah. actually uh, Rochelle Walensky said they're the gold standard. Right. And what's her job there again? <laughs> oh, director. <laughs> right. She's only the director. That's right. Yeah. And, and look, and they're all in bed together, to use a phrase. We know that. So, yes, money talks. I don't care who you are, where you are. The easiest way to corrupt a man is through money. Some actually have some morals and a compass that they will not allow themselves to be corrupted by that, but then you're going to lose everything. And who's willing to do that? Very few. Mm-hmm. Very few. You know, this is an issue of courage and, in my phrase, and, you know, godliness is the way I would see it uh, as a Christian and as a, a minister who, you know, constantly wants to tell people to walk a life of holiness, but we're also affected by it too. I know. Uh, we have to. We are told that we can compromise a bit and get a better position. If I, I work in healthcare, so as a as a minister in healthcare, 
it very often I'm told to compromise. I was told one time not to, you know, not to mention Jesus as God too much. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that I was told, what do, we, what do you mean? I'm a Christian. It'd be different if I was of a different faith, let, let but me, I'm Christian. I'm going to share my little experience because as many many people know that I am also an ordained ministry and have been for 25 years, a little over now. And way back in the late 90s and early 2000s, when I was pastoring a church on the west coast of Florida, and the Lord just opened up a door, and I, I didn't want to do it. I, I just felt, I can't do this. But the more I, I fought it, the more that I said yes for a season. I became a volunteer hospice chaplain before they all became paid. Right, right. And, and I went through all of their training, and, and when I first started out, when I first started out, nobody ever got on me at all about my, my witnessing my faith in Jesus Christ. Never. But after about the second year, uh, depending upon what company would buy out, uh, you know, the whatever, which corporate group took over the local hospice, because number one, hospice does not cost the patient or the family anything. It's paid for by the federal government. You know, that's, that's, that's the, how it works. Mm-hmm. And increasingly, depending which hospice office I was doing things for, because there were three that I did stuff for. They were, you know, right down the highway. One of them was getting increasingly hostile. Well, you need to share faith in a generic kind of form, you know, like, you know, everybody, all dogs go to heaven kind of thinking. And eventually I couldn't do it anymore for them. And then eventually I gave it all up. And I can remember when my, a couple of years later, my wife... Um, at the time was was a hospice patient in the hospital dying of, of brain cancer. And this guy comes in there wearing his khaki pants and his little, you know, golf shirt. And he was basically no different in my mind than a Unitarian Universalist, you know, trying to say everything works out in the end. It doesn't matter what you believe. I threw him out. Uh, he's lucky that I didn't throw him out through the window on the fourth floor. But, I mean, I came about as close as throwing somebody out a window. And he was the hospice chaplain. And I told hospice, you send him here again, he will be in bandages and he will be, you know, in the hospital for a long time if he ever walks in this room again. I'm tired of this Antichrist new attitude, you know, coming into churches, coming into things of faith. And this is... This started, what, 20-some-odd years ago. You think it's any better today? <laughs> no, no. Um, and this is this is what I've been dealing with and have dealt with uh, often, lost jobs over it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you don't compromise, you're, there's an old saying, okay, going all the way back to St. Augustine. He said, show me how many vices a man has, and I'll tell you how many masters he has. Mm-hmm. Show me a man's weakness, and I'll get him with one of them. Just let me see his vices. Let me see one of his weaknesses, and I'll get him with it. I'll get him to – I'll control him. I'll get him to compromise. So a man has as many masters as he has vices. Never forget that. You know, here's another way to look at it. How many debts does somebody have? Yeah. I mean, they become your masters too. We don't think about it. Uh, No. But, I mean, I can look at – places in my life where between the car payments, the mortgage payment, uh, the new air conditioning payment because the one at the house we just bought wasn't as good as we thought. 
mm-hmm. and then the kids need this, and then a car breaks down. It, it, it you know, we think nothing of debt, and we we came up in the nineties. I was as bad as anybody when they were mailing credit cards, you know, to everybody that that had a, that was breathing, and it right. doesn't take long before at nineteen or now twenty three percent or greater interest, you're in serious trouble. You're upside down. Right. And then the next yep. thing you know, you're finding you're you're mortgaging your house to pay off the high interest rates, and you put everything back at risk. Well, you know, years ago, usury was a bad thing, and to charge people interest or put them into debt. But debt is controllable, right? You can control people through debt. And isn't it interesting that you cannot get credit unless you have debt? Yep. Banks won't give you credit. It's almost as if they want you to have a debt, they but do. somehow that debt shows that you are, you know, you are responsible. You're credit you worthy. Things, but you're always in debt. Think about that for a minute. That's what shows the character of a person that a he's in debt, and then b he'll pay that debt off. Why not just start with a clean slate? Give you a loan and see if you pay it off. Yeah, no, notice as you start paying off debt, your credit score goes down. I've right. noticed that. Pay off debt, your score goes down. Yeah. Want to bring it back to 740? (laughs) Get more debt. That's right. I mean, it's insane. It is insane. Everything's backwards. uh, It is. And, and, but you know, right, you and I, we've been talking about compromise and, and the world wants people to compromise. We're also, I think, forgetting too much too quickly in in these recent weeks and months. Uh, we, We really are. We just went through a two-year pandemic that started with videos out of China of people falling dead on the street and being picked up by guys in a hazmat suit uh, to the the invisible enemy. The virus is the invisible enemy. And we all must social distance, stay home, essential and non-essential. Of course, every government worker, no matter what their job was, they were essential. They were totally essential. Even if they were in charge of parks and recreation and nobody was allowed to go to the park, they, they were still essential. This was common. And then all of a sudden, little small businesses just decimated and destroyed. Restaurants decimated, destroyed. The Walmarts did well. Liquor stores did wonderfully. Big box stores and Amazon made record profits during the pandemic. They were the chosen winners. They were the they were the chosen winners, and we then printed uh, how many with three how many trillions of three trillion of extra money to cover right. the bills on top of the three trillion we already had. Just you know, so we're we're now six trillion additional dollars of phony money in the in the economy, and we wonder where inflation comes from. Well, m- remember they gave you six hundred dollars to help you out during the two year Japan. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we got that twelve hundred. My wife and I got that twelve hundred dollars. You know, like that's going to cover us for the next two years. Right. Meanwhile, your business is everything's falling apart. This is what this is what they do. They kind of give you a little bit to say it's okay. Well, and promise more that never comes. They promise more that never came. That's right. And everybody's losing the job. I had somebody say to me just today, well, I don't get it. Where are all these people that have lost jobs? Well, they can't go back because there's still shop mandates. There's still, uh, you know, you've got to have these shops to have jobs. So good people left the health care. They left all facets of society mm-hmm. and they're sitting around. They can't get a job without that. And so, they won't. And they won't. If they're this far in, they're not going to do it. 
Yeah, but Biden is saying, oh, wow, we made 600,000 more jobs. Get out of All here. Right, well, yeah, yeah. well, number one, the, you, you, in other words, so getting back a fraction of the jobs the government forced to shut down. Not right. all. Just getting right. a, a small fraction of it. Of it, That's a booming economy that yeah. we that after we allowed some businesses to open, you know, half of them were able to hire some of their people back. At at, at terrible prices where we've got inflation that's getting much worse to where you're looking at $10 just for toothpaste, let alone four to five or six dollars for a gallon of gas. How are they going to live and travel when they're making uh, simple wages at Walmart? They're not. That's right. And And why bother? And why bother? Why even bother getting that? Let's keep living off the government's best we can. And that's what they're doing. Uh, it, it, people have dropped out. So, but again, in the bigger picture, was that all planned? Absolutely. Wasn't it planned? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're going to say it was a symptom of the COVID pandemic. We're so sorry about it. And it's all but Trump's the, fault. Yes. <laughs> you know, and in the in the meantime, somehow, they're rebuilding better. Build back better. Build back broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> build back broke. Uh, exactly. That's all it is. It, it, I mean, it, it's all a shell game. And I mean, I I can remember as a young guy in college, I happened to be in a part of of Manhattan, and they we're talking way back in the 70s. And I actually saw one of these guys with a little card table, you know, guess which, you know, cup the thing is underneath. And, and it's a shell game. The whole thing, it's a shell game. You yes. think you're following it only to find out you have no clue. You know, yeah. you know, you, you, they they've got it's a fixed rigged game to begin with. And you're sure. you're part of it. Listen, we have a break coming up here in just a moment. And and I, I, I just feel we're missing something that needs to be talked about uh, on today's program. And, and I, I think it, it really it's so easy. I can you know, we can pick up I can get on go online, pick up, you know, any of the newsletters that I get. Uh, some of the subscriptions that I, I I pay for to keep track of the news that the mainstream and even some of the so-called conservative media won't touch because they're too beholden to their advertising. And, and, but I think we're missing something, and, and I, I want I, I want as we go to this break, I want you to pray and, and figure out what is it that we need to sh- share today. I believe we need to begin sharing. A message of hope. It's real easy. I mean, this is like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, pardon the gun analogy there, but you know, it's too easy to point out this, the, the the weirdness in this world, the satanic influence of the world, the reprobate minds that control the world. But, 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 Doctor Gales, what what can we do about it? What what what, what can we as Christians? Where do we start? Well. We start, first of all, by realizing that the number one sign Christ told us would be deception, multiple levels of deception in the world. Uh, That's what we're failing to see or we're getting caught um, somewhere in there, in these webs of deceit, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So you're right. All the world is a stage. And how do you follow everything? You can't. You can't really follow everything. And I guess that's why Christ said, when you see these things Sit down and try to determine exactly what's happening. No, he didn't say that. He said, when you see these things happening, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. Are you looking up? 
And if you're looking up, you need to be living for him. And if you're living for him, how are you doing that? Is it a flame in your life? The burning bush are you that doesn't get consumed? That's what we need to be. You know, Dr. Gales, there are times that I really believe, I may be wrong, but I do believe that many in what I call the Americanized church have had this attitude that bad things will never happen to us. I mean, we have freedom of speech. We have freedom of religion. We're free to go to church if we want and free to stay home if we want. And I don't think anybody really anticipated a time when churches might be might be shut down, might have their doors closed. But during this time of the pandemic, when many people were pushed away from the church, they couldn't go. The government said, you're, you cannot meet because you're dangerous to other people's health. And during that same time, there was the ramping up of this conversation that the Bible is hate speech, and it too is a danger to society. I read a story the other day, came out of a school in Florida. Now, there's some wonderful places in Florida, but there's some that are, some of these school districts are run by nothing but pure, non-believing reprobates that hate the gospel of Christ. And a young child, well, they, they examine her book pack every day to make sure she's not smuggling in a Bible tract. She can never witness her faith. Her freedom of religion or expression in this country is dead. That public school is ensuring that. Of course, they're being sued, and I pray. I pray that there's that God grants relief. But we live in a time that's changing. The church, I don't think, has been adapting. The American church got really comfortable with the, you know, the coffee bar and and the light show and the music and and the pastor in the tight skinny jeans. And it's convenient some Sundays and other Sundays, eh, not so much. We've lost sight of our, our true calling. Jesus talks in the Bible, and he, and he talks to those that are concerned about how they're going to get by in life. I mean, the church, we've never been oppressed. We've never had to do without. But you might. Those days are coming. And he said, if, the, if God so clothes the grass, which is today in the fields and tomorrow cast in the oven how much more will he clothe you O ye of little faith and i think much of the american church is a church of little little operating faith they they work on what they see and what they have when we were told to shut the doors we shut the doors without question it shows how are we going to deal with things i mean we now know from the pandemic how many churches will capitulate 100% without question to the state for any reason? Unfortunately, many will. Dr. Gales will be back after this break, but I want to tell the audience, if you believe in keeping us on shortwave, would you consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? That's Ancient Word Radio, and our mailing address is Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, that's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. And we are in Crestview, Crestview, Florida, 
Zip code 32536. That's 32536. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Out of the larva cell. Coming up, Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now when a bee starts out in life, it does so as a larva. The newborn bee does nothing but eat. It doesn't help around the hive, doesn't look for pollen, doesn't clean up, doesn't help anybody else. All it does is be concerned about its own needs. It just sits there, lays inside the cell and gets fed. But that stage doesn't last long at all. In a real short time, the bee leaves the larva stage and steps out of its cell and begins immediately helping out. No longer having anyone feed it, it's helping to feed others. It goes very quickly from being ministered to, to ministering or ministering to others, the fellow bees. Well, in this way, bees are a lot wiser than a lot of believers. You see, as believers, we tend to get into a mode of expecting others to minister to us. We say, I want to be fed. I'm not being fed. There's not enough love here. No one's reaching out to me. But you know what that means? If that's you, it means you're still in the larva stage. The main thing is to be fed, main things to be ministered to, you know, uh, main things to have your needs met, you know. And even when you do something for other people, you want to get something back. You want to be thanked. You want to be recognized. Well, the larva stage is comfortable for a while, but there's no future in it. It means you're in a cell. As much as you, we've got this attitude, our life, our attitude, our walk, our ministry, our effectiveness for God is going to be hindered. Be free, my friend. Forget about your needs. Minister to the needs of others. Forget about having others love you, love others. Forget about having others reach out to you. You reach out to others. Forget about having others bless you. You bless others. Because only then can we attain to the maturity of Messiah. It's time for maturity. Time to grow up. Time to fulfill our calling. Become conformed to his image. But it all begins when you step out of the larva cell. Want more? Ask for the honeycomb. Now, feeling like your walk with God can use a real spiritual boost? We got the answer. Free subscription to Sapphire's Warning News is directed. It can revolutionize your walk for victory. And the incredible Mystery of the Temple Doors, all free. You'll love it. How do you get it? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 to receive your free gift. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to minister with me in two of the most exciting ministries in the world, to beam the word of life around the globe by shortwave radio. It's amazing to every tribe and tongue and to Israel, the Jewish people who gave you the gospel. It's amazing. The farthest way you can ever spread the gospel, shortwave radio. It's amazing. How to be part? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Now you can write me direct. Just write to the nice Jewish boy, box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. That's the nice Jewish boy, box 1111. It's in Lodi. L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, get out of the larva cell, my friend. Shalom Aleichem, and peace be to you in Messiah HaDerech, the way. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. My guest today is the Reverend Dr. Timothy Gales, and he will be back in in just a moment. I've been doing some thinking in recent weeks on, on the direction and what this ministry needs to be doing. Now, primarily, Truth to Ponder is a radio program and podcast. It is heard on international shortwave. And as many of you that follow along on a regular basis know that we're working diligently on a project in Florida 
to increase that outreach. And each day, we're drawing closer to the goal. Some of these shipping shortages you're hearing about have affected us too. Some things I expected to already see by now are now finally on the way. And it won't be long. There'll be additional frequencies and airings of this program. And I think it is important in times like these to have these alternate voices. Now, I'm also really thrilled that it's this program is growing as a podcast. I watch its growth each and every month. And looking back during the month of February, the growth of audience in Canada and Australia was substantial. I want to thank those that take the time to listen in Australia and in Canada. And it's been growing in other parts of the world as well. I want to make sure that podcasting can grow as far as it can. But I'm going to keep shortwave alive. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to make this mistake that I've seen, saw several ministries make. They built up an audience on shortwave for years and then decided they wanted to just do it as a podcast. Fine. And they cut off shortwave. Now, there's a twofold problem with that, in, in my opinion. Problem number one where are you going to get new listeners to your program? There are thousands, if not 50, 100,000 podcasts out there. How do you rise above that? On shortwave, there are not many voices like, like this one, and people will find it. Sure, they may enjoy the convenience of listening as a podcast, and that's fine. And so I want to keep all these avenues going, and I see some real growth ahead. Now, Dr. Gales, as we get back to our program today, you and I were talking during the break. The church. What is the future of the post-pandemic church? How is the church going to rise again to the occasion of being the church? Well, it's not going to be by putting a Starbucks outlet in your in your church for people or that they could have a you know a, a grande while they're listening to you preach. No, we see Christians across the country that are already in the catacombs. We see Christians across the world that have suffered immensely and have remained in the catacombs in different countries where through the oppression, uh, you know. The story of the catacomb church is that it became um, very small and yet very faithful. It was purified in a way by their persecution. And uh, let's take in the Russian Revolution, you had Mm -hmm. many priests that were crucified on the front door of their church because they would not uh, capitulate to the to the Bolsheviks. And so you had people who would take a little a little hole. They dig a little hole that you would kind of crawl through, and then you'd go in a room that was no bigger than like a a large size bathroom but down there the bishop or the priest would go the minister and you know a handful of people would come and he would they would whisper service but they would say it and they'd have a dog tied up outside if that dog started to bark they'd blow the candle out and everybody would just be as silent as they could be and eventually they could be caught and they would be dragged off to gulags don't think that can't happen here Look at what's already happening in the world. Look Look at Canada. Look at Canada. Yes. Dragging pastors uh, out into the, putting them in jail. Surrounding their churches with fences and dogs to keep them out. Think of that. Where is the freedom of religion? That was a sham. It's gone. 
it was a sham. You had it for a very short time, and then you did the 501c3, which ended up really controlling you to an extent of what you say. I know. Uh, and that, that was just incrementally coming in. Um, but the whole idea, if we're really living in this this paradigm of good and evil, of God and Satan, right? And we're in a spiritual warfare, then you need to understand everything. Everything. Ukraine, everything Mm -hmm. is going after the church and Christ. Everything. Because the God of this world, as Jesus named Satan, who has but a short time, um, he wants to decimate the church. He wants to destroy it. We know the gates of hell aren't going to prevail, but they're going to come pretty darn close. That's right. And he lets us know that. Many are going to suffer. And if you read, I suggest people read the early church martyrs, because as you read them, you will begin to see not only the heroic ones that suffered untold mm-hmm. Um, tortures, but you would also see those who at the point of being tortured immediately pinched the incense to Caesar and said, I'm not a Christian, and and they ran. And my question is, is that you? Is that going to be you? Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, then it's time to get serious about your faith. If you don't know, you probably are not in, if you don't know, you, you probably are not. Yeah, there there was a story I was reading of, of a young boy holding on to his father. He was a Christian. This was in the third century under I think Diocletian's persecution. And this young boy this young boy's holding on to his dad and, and the dad is getting ready to go be killed. And the wife said, Honey, please, if you get killed and die, it's gonna leave me a widow and I can't provide for our child. And he looked at the two of them and he gave his son a kiss. And he gave his wife a kiss and a hug, and he said, Honey, I know, but I'm a Christian, and I'm not going to deny my Lord, and he'll take care of you. And that was it. He left, Mm -hmm. and he was tortured and killed. Could you do that? I would say most that go to the you know the church you described that has the uh, you know the Starbucks and the in the and the narthex if you want to yep. uh, not that they even know what a narthex is but right, you know, right. I mean that has the Starbucks and the and the bookstore buy our latest yep. books and DVDs and CDs and, you know, and everything else um, look I'm not making fun of that I'm just saying it was a norm before COVID that was growing and people liked it. Uh, the Contemporex Church, you know, and and every it was somebody. One of the listeners to this program wrote me something. This is back when I did your weekend show. Actually, maybe when I first started this program. Yeah, matter of fact, it was. And I had made a statement. It's probably like in September, twenty uh, twenty, maybe like in our first second month. And I'm talking about the church, the the theater church. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and the controlled environment. And this this young lady wrote me this beautiful email and said, I discovered you, someone had shared with your program with me, and I listened, and you happened to talk about that one day. Said, here's my experience. I went to one of those kind of churches for years. And then when the pandemic hit, they went online. You know, wonderful, we're online. Mm-hmm. And she said, it's then I realized it's a show. It's a TV show. It's all scripted. There was nothing about the moving of the Holy Spirit or any of it. It was all a show. Yeah. And, and it made her realize this is not church. This is, you know, 
entertainment. This this is like going to the theater. This is like watching your fa- watching her church. It was like watching a TV show. Well, there's a big difference, right, <clears throat> in the way things are viewed today. Uh, I was reminded again of another story of, of a, a minister. Actually, he was a bishop, and it was um, in Rome before the barbarians came in. And when they did come in, they, they went to this bishop, and they said, listen, by tomorrow at noon, I want you to bring all of the treasures of the church into the center of town, and we'll be waiting there. So the bishop went back, he prayed that night, and the next morning he went and gathered up all the treasures of the church, and he put them in the center of the town. He brought all the elderly, the handicapped, the dying, the hurt, and the barbarian looked at him, and the bishop said, these are the treasures of the church. Yep. What, a, what a difference. What a difference. Okay, we have to understand that, you know, our life in this world, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we've got to start learning now what we call detachment, because our hearts are attached to a lot of material things. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, if you love this more than me, that more than me, your wife, your children, even your own life more than me, you're your not job. worthy to be my di- Yes, even your own life more than me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Think of that statement. Think too many, of that. Too many can't. Listen, here's the way I look at it. Um, we are being called, a lot of people are saying, hey, the virus is over. You know, it, and in some ways, for the moment, it is because the way they were marketing the virus, they it, it ran out of gas. I mean, they couldn't maintain the lie any longer, so they need a little time to regroup. Good time to have a war. Good time to mm-hmm. have economic turmoil. Good time for high sure. gas prices and inflation. You know, I, I use the analogy of ever watch a squirrel running on the road, running toward your car, then running back and then running toward your car. You know, they get so uh, diverted by, oh, I see a bigger nut over there. Oh, I see this over here. They can't focus. And, and the media and the elites are trying to keep us so disoriented. COVID has disappeared. But now we have a war. Oh, by the way, there may be food shortages. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, we can't get parts to build new cars. Oh, by the way, and it just goes on and on and on. What yes. can we do? Well, we're going to have to get. We're going to have to look for commun- intentional communities, as we mm-hmm. said before. We're going to have to start looking at these things as real. You know, I find myself when I'm looking at the the grain exports coming to a halt, when I'm looking at these things, I know famine is coming to a lot of places. I know food shortages are certainly coming here in big mm-hmm. way very soon. And yet I still have to pinch myself and say, this is actually happening because, you know, I've just grown up Walking into a store, if I was hungry, I'd just go in this. I know it's going to be filled oh, yeah. with food, mm-hmm. but that's not going to be the case very soon, very soon. And so how am I going to handle that, not only in reality, but spiritually? You know, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about this for a year or two, um, since shortly after the beginning of COVID, probably in the summer of 2020, the Lord has laid on my heart. And I didn't know where it was going to lead to, and I still don't fully know. The idea of community. Now, I'm not talking about commune. There's a little difference there. Um, I don't want to be... Uh, they, look, there have been enough 
charlatan, phony, fake uh, preachers with a satanic heart. Uh, just think of the Jim Jones cult for a moment, you know, where they where everybody gets wrapped up into this person and they will all commit suicide. I mean, this is what they did. And, and so I don't want to be that kind of commune. But we need to find places of community. We need to, the Bible teaches in so many places, the places of refreshment, the places of restoration, the, you know, the place of rest, of, of the oil of healing. Only Christians shoot their wounded, you know that. But, uh, but you know, we, we need, where are the places we can go for a short season to, to rest and recruit and, and, you know, be refilled with, with God's Holy Spirit to be able to go out and do the things? I don't know how I'm going to put this together, but I believe we have a little window. In spite of all this nonsense, there's going to be nothing but a barrage of, of ever-changing news cycles that are going to just, you know, keep beating us up for the next year at least if not right. longer covid was a two-year run now we're going to be beaten up by you know the crisis of the month club and and right. and, and a lot of churches you know are, are going to try to say we're going to get back to normal we're going to fix everything the united Methodists are going to split and fix it they're not going to it's not going to happen <laughs> a lot of things are just not going to happen right. as you hope Right. Well, it's like I said, you know, we're in phase two now. So that's, you know, Hunger Games and World War. Mm -hmm. These are the things they're going to throw at us to consume our time and energy and fears and everything else. You know, again, the church is 2000 years old, like I kind of envision it like a battleship that just slowly moves through every storm Mm -hmm. and encounters. Um, This is what we've done in the church. And yet, Civilizations, Rome, um, you know, Greece, all these civil they only came and lasted a, a short time yep. and then they were yep. gone. Mm-hmm. Yet the church is still here. So we have to remember that. We have to remember who we are in the church. And secondly, they've lasted through all types of politics, all types of kingdoms, all sorts of stuff. So that's not our main focus, is it? No. Our main focus is who we are as the church and how we can move forward in our life. And the one thing the church always did is solitude and silence for a little while. Yes. Why we need to get alone with ourselves, without the phone, without the TV, Mm -hmm. without any distraction, and sit with the Lord and read, pray, talk to him. we, we need to be using what's out there that we can for now. I've always said the Internet is a tool, and it's one of those tools mm-hmm. that can be taken away. But that doesn't mean not try to use it. And that's why we do this show well, as a podcast yeah. and other things. Mm-hmm. And and we're using shortwave radio, which will still be around after tech tyrants say you can't be on our platforms. But we need to start building people up to go back to their communities to to be leaders in their communities. That's what I see. The church's model, you've mentioned it before. And even in the days of the darkest days of Stalin or Lenin, uh, the church continued by quietly ordaining and separating and raising people to go out and and, and help small communities. They they were no longer in the big churches. They were meeting in barns. They were. And many times if 
you had a, a bishop visit in, in, let's say, the Soviet Union early on, if a bishop visited, uh, he would quickly um, lay hands on some people mm-hmm. in the back in the vestry and make them priests <laughs> without anyone knowing. But yep. then he'd send them out. And, yep. and this this was done, you know. I will not speak of thy mysteries before strangers. That is a liturgical saying in my tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was actually a phrase used by the catacomb church in order to locate one another. Mm-hmm. I will I will not speak of thy mysteries before my enemies. That's what we would say. And if somebody said that, you knew they were a Christian. You knew they would show you where the catacomb church was. So there were ways that they communicated, drawing the fish symbol. I mean, these things we have. Look, the church has been here before, and we're going there now. But the American church has never experienced it since the Revolutionary War. But if you're real believers and you're in the church... You will. You're going to go through. You will. And you are going to go through. Look, the satanic uh, hierarchy of demons, whatever you want to call them, they know who the real McCoy is. They'll mm-hmm. know you, pick you right out of a crowd. <laughs> they know who's filled with the Holy Spirit and who isn't. They know who 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 is who, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna single you out. They're gonna force you, just like the early church was told to pinch incense to Caesar. They couldn't do it. Just like in Japan, when they wanted to find the Christians early in persecution, they they put a picture of Jesus on the ground in the center of the village and made every man, woman, and child stomp on his face. And they knew Christians wouldn't do it. This is how they they sifted through the people to locate the Christians. They know exactly how to get you because they know you're not going to do it. And if you do, then you know you've compromised and you've turned your back on the Lord. This is hard, very hard, but it's where we're going. Dr. Gales, our time is going to get away from us. And I have a couple of other things that I want to share before today's program is over. I want to thank you for being with me two days this week. We'll have to have you on again next week. For those who would like to contact Dr. Gales, you can simply email me. My email address is pretty easy. It is bob at truth, the number two ponder.com. That's bob at truth, the number two ponder.com. What I want to share in the next few minutes and something really special before the program is over. The word community, we talked about it today, and it's been very much on my mind, my wife's mind, and others over the past several weeks, actually for a couple of years. But lately, it's becoming louder again. I don't know what it all means, but I'm praying it through. And as time goes on, I'm going to share with you how we can stay connected as Christian community in these very strange times that are coming ahead. Now, I've had some, I've got some great friends. We, we may disagree on some things and, and I'll get into this some other day, not today. I'm not, a, I'm not really a believer in, in a pre-trib rapture. I know a lot of you are and that's fine. We're going to have to get along, but I just want you to realize that over history, there have been many times of immense persecution for the Christian faith. And whether this is the end time coming up or not, hard to say. But are you ready to face the difficult times ahead? Christians through the centuries have learned to work together, not so much, you know, in, in a 
living in a compound, but they could develop by the power of the Holy Spirit community. And perhaps tomorrow and again next week, we're going to get deeper into that concept. I'm thinking back when I was a young child in high school. This song came out by John Stuckey of Peter, Paul, and Mary. And for whatever reason, this song captured my heart and mind, uh, and now for such a time as this. John Henry Bosworth, late in 68, decided that the time had come to settle his esteem. The riots on summer were creeping in the falls, so he backed his family in the car.
be honest, a song like that, it does make me wonder what our future holds. Those that think the world is going to go on as it always has, and everything's going to return to some wonderful normal like pre-2019, when the economy was good, gas was cheap, our stores were plentiful, unemployment was way down. If you, if you really believe that We're going to just jump back to those days. I think you're going to be gravely mistaken. I've tried to warn you, and and I've got so many good friends that they're 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 believers, they're Christians. I know that for a fact. But they they keep believing somehow that elections can fix everything. They're spending their time on Facebook. They're spending their time in social media, in email chats, whatever the case may be, talking about how we're going to fix the United States in the 2022 election. Yeah, we're going to get rid of Nancy Pelosi being the Speaker of the House. We're going to get rid of this person and that. We're we're going to just take over the the House of Representatives and, and even have a majority in the Senate. And somehow that's going to fix everything. Keep warning you, here in the United States, that will really just be a temporary band-aid. I started voting 50 years ago. I can remember when we found out 18-year-olds could vote. It was was amazing. I voted in a presidential election. And I didn't take the responsibility of voting lightly. And I really believed that my vote was going to make a difference. In these 50 years, I know that there can be close elections, but I know that that the results of elections are at best extremely temporary. Doesn't take long for the pendulum to swing, for the media to kick in, for those that are pushing for globalism to throw money around and, and change people's opinions. I've mentioned before, I've been trying to fix the world at the ballot box for 50 years. It doesn't get fixed at the ballot box. It gets fixed It gets fixed on your knees in prayer. The reason we do this program is to sift through all the news headlines and the nonsense and the fake narrative. It's not easy. And, and I have some great plans I'll share about tomorrow with what can be done with the website and a whole lot of other things to help grow this ministry and how you can plug in. But if you'd like to keep us on shortwave radio, would you consider sending a gift, large or small, made out to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio. Our mailing address, Truth to Ponder, 
5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That is number 3248. And we are in Crestview, Crestview, Florida. Crestview, Florida, zip code is 32536. Once again, 32536. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.